Blake, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Hola. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, I think you and I have been just chatting on Instagram back and forth for quite some time. And I've always found you to be, I like to, I'm going to take this, the, the intro here. I'm going to give you your own little bit intro. Uh, I like to tell people like why I had you on the podcast, mostly because I think that there's just a whole slew of people you could have on your podcast. So why should the listener stick around and listen to you? I think that you are in an interesting spot in like the dissemination of, of information. I think that we're in a similar spot where it's like, we're not maybe conducting research and we're might, we might not even be on a regular basis, like reading straight full length literature. Um, I think we both do, you know, either whether it's for fun or just for information, but it's not necessarily our prime um, spot in the dissemination chain. I'd say um, we're somebody who's probably both of us are dealing with like, you know, chewing up that information and spitting it out to the average person so that they can kind of take it and run with it and make actual changes to their life. So I do like having people on. I think you, you and I had talked about Alan Aragon offline and, you know, obviously Alan's like the man. I love Alan, super smart, but he's probably one level up. You know, you and I are reading his research review. We're reading some of his information, the studies that he's done, and we're kind of disseminating it on. So I do like talking to people who are on that level where you and I are. I find that very interesting. I also think that that can sometimes be it can be a weird place. I think you have a very science first mindset, which is great. You, you have no problem if, if you catch somebody in the comments talking shit to like go on and, you know, be like, okay, here's a PubMed article that I've read and or Pub, PubMed research uh, um, paper that I've read and here you go. And so, cool. There's your uh, me buttering you up before we get started. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump in. Sure. So I, after being a failed music major, after two and a half years, after taking two and a half years off of school and trying to be a rock star and that not working out, I worked full time as a personal trainer. So when I went back to Florida State, I changed, changed my degree to dietetics, which is nutrition. And I'd like to say that I've been like, you know, super evidence based since then. But really, I just had a great foundation because of my degree. I didn't become super like evidence based until started arguing with internet idiots on the internet. So then I had to beef up my internet arguing superpowers. And um, I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist, certified sport nutrition specialist. People get impressed by the letters, but that pales in comparison to what degree, the degree has taught me and what I've done on my own. But I get real annoyed when people are like, well, I've done a lot of research on my own, on my own. And I'm like, you've done a lot of research with no foundation to let you know whether you're doing good research. <laughs> so like, so like, I don't care if you and I have spent the same amount of time on the internet for the last like week, like you've been reading blogs from Karen and I've been sifting through real articles and like things that I don't understand. I ask people that do. So I grow and learn and get smarter. Whereas you feed your bias with more stuff. And just a quick um, little aside, um, I credit a lot of that actually to Alan. So Alan, you know, he, he came to my dinner like two years ago. We've had dinner since then. We keep in touch. But the reason why like Alan and I are friends is because I think it was 2000, uh, like, I don't know, 17 before I was going on the bachelorette <laughs> and um, that I went through like a keto phase. Now hear me out. I didn't just overnight turn into like a keto, you know, zealot or idiot. I, as a, you know, as an N of one decided this is getting real popular right now. I want to try it to see what all the fuss is about. And so I told myself, I'm not going to just try it for a week or two and give up. If I hate it, I'm going to do this for, for one to two months, maybe three. If I like it, I'll keep doing it. If I don't, I, I will be able to have said that I did it long enough that I got into ketosis. I know the feet, you know, the other part of the reason why is that, you know, have you heard of uh, Dominique Diagostino? Yeah, of course. So I went to Lane Norton's very first VIP natural bodybuilding camp. So I, I, I heard about keto decades ago. And so I was fascinated by a lot of the research around it, but the problem was I wasn't that good at doing research. I was just reading Tim Ferriss's book and like listening to what Dominique said and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I went down like the low carb rabbit hole and I must have watched, you know, dozens of hours from the, t from the, I think it's Finney and I already forgot the other guy's name, but Finney and, um, and Volek and Volek. Yeah. And they are great professors and they put out great research. But one day I was like, I don't know, like two months into the keto thing. And I think I, I was just kind of on the honeymoon phase and I'd wrote, I wrote a post about how I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm not tracking calories. I'm staying slightly leaner. I, I'm a little flatter, but I feel good. I have more endurance. I have more like mental clarity. And I was just making a post about like my experience. And this guy, um, tagged me on Facebook, like on a post of Allen's. And so basically this, he tagged me and was just like, you know, this guy thinks keto is better. And like a hundred people that follow Allen, like attacked me. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, I'm not welcome to the internet. Better. 
Yeah, and he's like, no, no, you are saying that it's better. Like, we're going to attack you now. And so I was like, all right, well, I've seen all these YouTube videos from Volick and Finney. Like, I'm going to fight back. So what did I do? I Googled, like, studies at, at like, that same moment. Like, totally. I Googled studies on yeah. low carb. And I threw a bunch of studies at Alan, and Alan's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, hold up, little fucker. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that that's when I realized I was like, okay, like, and, and I, like, I was like mad at Alan. And Alan and I like argued. We had like a 48-hour Facebook argument. But I could keep up with him. And I could keep up with him with basically very little, like, experience actually, you know, dissecting, you know, research. So the main takeaway that I got was, a lot of studies showed that um, even though like keto was keto was superior, but not if protein was controlled. When protein is controlled, it's no different. And I didn't have the knowledge and the skills to read through those studies and go, oh, they're not equating protein. I, I was just reading the abstract the and going, yeah, this, looks, this yeah. looks like it's better. I yeah, just yeah, found yeah. 20 studies that says they lost more. Yeah, it's not because yeah. it's water weight or they're, they're, that they gain it back the next week. So that was when I really had the wokeness of like, I need to not just try to go off what I learned in school. I need to not feed my bias and watch YouTube videos. Like I need to read research articles, like read them start to finish, dissect them, ask people questions about what part of them I understand. Like what's a P value? What, what? Like when someone's like, look, this study's better. I'm like that study for six weeks of six participants. Like I, I screw that. Untrained and individuals like, and no protein or calorie <laughs> equated. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So I, so I, I'm very proud of myself that I, like that that happened because I tell people all the time that in order for you to not have a bias, you got to play devil's advocate. You got to play both sides. So when people argue with me all the time, they say like keto is better. I'm like, yo, bro, I was you. I was you plus science for like six yeah, months. Yeah, like yeah. I was, I was plus the evidence-based logic. version of you and here I am today. And like, that's why I tell people all the time, you know, the best diet is the one you can stick to. I'll never push somebody towards one thing, but I'll say, this is what you're up against. This is the likelihood that this will work. Or this yeah. is, you know, yeah. what you're experiencing. Yeah, definitely have a similar experience. I think you obviously are not going to scroll back in the podcast, but for those of you guys who haven't listened, I have a podcast on my experience with keto. I did keto full keto for one year with one missed meal. Um, it, oh, it, wow. it began as a very similar end of one experiment. And then I actually probably went f too far into the, also it was like a, a Dunning-Kruger moment, like a Dunning-Kruger effect moment where I was like just starting to catch on, like like you said about reading research and, and you know, Finney and Volick and, and Augustino. And, you know, when he when he went on, I'll never forget when he went on Joe Rogan with Lane Norton and I sat there and listened to the entire thing on YouTube, making notes. What would I have said to Lane? How Lane yep. might've been wrong. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't so far. I was doing what you said. It was about playing devil's advocate and trying to be able to critically think through some of this. And so I definitely appreciate that part of my life where I was, playing, you know, what I'll look back and say devil's advocate to what I would say now. Um, but that is something that I think like when it, when it comes to my own acquisition of knowledge, it's like, I want to get to a point where I don't just know it. Now, I don't think the, the whole point of you and me in this hierarchy of information dissemination is so that our clients don't need to do what I'm going to about what I would say I'd like to do, which is I want to be able to critically think and play my own devil's advocate and understand the why and really have, be able to have deep conversations and thus, you know, be able to kind of have a little bit of a better bullshit meter and Yes, I want that for my clients too, but I think it's our job to take some of that and let them offload that to us. Uh, that's what they, you know, to some degree, there's some hiring of like, I don't, I want to think less and I'm hiring you for that information. So um, definitely, definitely interesting. I'll, man, it's a dark place though. Definitely like a lot of pricking my finger for, for blood ketone measurements that I look back on and just oh, yeah. fucking I did that. I did that too, off. but then, but I did that too. And, and that gave me the high horse to really look down on people that said they were keto, but they're not. I was like, how do you know you're keto? They're like, you know, I got like the P scripts. I'm like, those, those aren't accurate. Bullshit. I was like, you need to pre your blood. Soft. I was like, I, don't, I was like, I know you're you not. Need to, you you're need to bleed. <laughs> yeah, your protein's too hot. I don't. <laughs> you are not in ketosis. You would know. You would know you're in ketosis. You would feel it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Your protein's too high. Yeah, that killed me. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was an interesting part too, is to kind of have come to that conclusion of like, what are the basic things that really do matter in terms of the like calories and protein and. I've spoken on the podcast about how if you were going to track that that's probably 99 out of 100 times a slightly more flexible, more sustainable approach due to the fact that carb to fat ratio is I'd take adherence over any physiological advantage you could bring up for the average person, non-professional athletes aside. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, definitely have a similar backstory with that for sure. Why don't you know what I actually curveballs side story guys, by the way, we're going to get into some myth busting. We're going to do some rapid fire, some training, some nutrition, um, some like, like tr personal trainer, online coach stuff in a second. But when you went, when we went into COVID, you did a hard pivot and you went right into like, and it was one of the most, and I just want to tell you this, 
could have told you this off air, but whatever. Like super, I don't know. I'm not trying to like, if this comes off patronizing anyway, but like very admirable, hard pivot. Cause I under, uh, the way I understand is you were an in-person personal trainer, obviously things shut down. I know you're in California. So that those shutdowns were like pretty long. Um, and you did a hard pivot and started selling at home gym equipment, but not selling at home gym equipment, like legitimately made it into a, a business that was like, I mean, I admired the hell out of you. I took my girlfriend. My yeah, I was like, this guy is fucking hustling, man. Hustling. And I sent, I've sent two clients of mine, online coaching clients, to your house to pick up equipment. And so just <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. It's super admirable. The work ethic was fucking through the roof, man. Yeah, when um, when COVID happened, it all started on accident. So when COVID happened, I was like, I probably need to get more equipment from my backyard gym because I'm probably going to be training people here. And uh when I when I went on like offer up and let go, I saw people charging like eight hundred thousand dollars for like both legs dumbbells, oh, yeah, and I man. literally would be limb. like, yeah. I'm, "I'm like, go kill yourself! Like you're a horrible person," because they were gouging, but they were gouging like three, four, five, five times what things cost because they were in, in high demand. Now, you could say I'm a hypocrite, or you could say, "Well, dude, it's supply and demand. Buy if they don't want to." But it started out by the same way I used to call out, you know, bullshit on nutrition, like in my stories, I was calling out people that were char selling their old bench press for like $700. And I was like, these people are just gouging. This is ridiculous. And then as I looked into it more and more, I was like, I think I could do this better. And you know, my girlfriend at the time was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, people are charging like three to four times what these things cost. And if I could acquire them, I would just charge like what they used to cost, like times 0.25. Like sure. I would just charge a COVID fee, like, yeah. like a COVID middle tax. fee. Yeah. So I like, I basically was like, I sold over 20,000 pounds of refurbished rogue bumper plates. Like I made $5,000 in one day selling bumpers. Like I took pre-orders the day before because I had a, you know, I had networked and had a connection and found a guy that had a 10 year relationship with the distributor that makes rogue bumper plates and they're refurbished. So they were the rejects, yeah, but that means yeah. by reject means some of them are complete garbage, crumbled, the holes broken. You'll cut your hand on it. Other ones like, Oh, there's a little, there's a little scratch like right here. Like, so people were like, how are you getting these? Like they're, they, they, they cost more on the rogue website and yeah. their backward. Right. Just like, yeah. Your backyard looked like, like the fucking CrossFit games. I'm dead serious. I would look back. There was like turf and just a million plates and bars everywhere. And it was yeah. super I, clutch. I, yeah. I ordered 5,000 pounds of kettlebells from Walmart and FedEx showed up and they're like, you, you're doing you this again. Yeah. This is yeah you. I was like, I was like, brought you a Gatorade. They're like, fuck, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> they're like, I'm doing a strongman workout today. Thanks to you. Yeah. And like, because the weather's so nice here, like I just bought cinder blocks and like two by sixes and I set up like a, you know, pop up, like a, uh, you know, speaking, yeah. you know, and I would have, like, I have two, two pit bulls and you know, I got a roommate in the house. So like, I would have people like walk down the side yard and they'd be like, what am I doing? Like I'm stepping over like dog poop going down the side of this guy's house. And I'm like, just, just wait. Yeah. And they turn the corner you. and they go, they go like, you have, you have everything. And I go, do you need bands? Do you need, do you need pull up? Do you need, do you need pulleys? Do you need push up yeah. handles? Do you need a table place? Like, what, what do you need? They're like, Oh my God. They're like, I got to tell all my friends. I'm like, yes, I you am do. Pablo Escobar. You do. Yeah. I am Pablo so, Escobar. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and when, when all that happened too, like I was, you know, I was basically like month to month, like I wouldn't say I was an unsuccessful trainer, but I just made enough to like get by. I wasn't crushing it at, at training. And I, and the thing that was kind of bittersweet for me is that I realized I was like, I'm better at like selling equipment than I am at selling myself. And I think the reason why is that like, I'm, I feel guilty. Like if I have someone sign up for training and they think they're going to lose 30 pounds in two weeks and they don't like, even though I know they're not going to, and I've tried to communicate that to them, like if it's not the experience they were expecting, like I feel guilty when I sell them a piece of equipment, I'm like, this is the weight capacity. This is the size. This is sure. the dimension. This is what, yeah. it, what it's good for. I'm a trainer. Don't buy this. You should buy that. That's stupid. That won't fit in your garage. You need this. What's your goal. And like, and they're like, this guy's so smart. So I basically just scale. So, you know, when I made like my first thousand selling weights, I turned around and so it was always like doubling down, doubling down. And it got to the point where I remember I told my girlfriend, I was like, I was like, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to spend $15,000 in cash today to go to get like 10,000 pounds of weights delivered to my house. Yeah. And if I don't sell them all, I'm not going to like, <laughs> we're not but, eating. <laughs> yeah. So it was always scary, but every single time I did that, like they always sold. Are you, so, are you transitioned back into this, into a different routine, back to some in-person training or are you doing a little bit of both now or? Yeah, that's the difficult thing now is that a lot of my, I mean, I had, I had multiple two, three, four, five year plus, you know, in-person clients and a lot of them during COVID, you know, kind of fell off, had kids, got new jobs, you know, so 
I, basically when, when everything opened back up now, like everything's closing back down, but when everything opened back up, that's when I was like, all right, I don't want to be left holding the bag. I'm just going to sell off the rest of what I, I still have stuff here. Now, if you need a hundred kettlebells, I, I got you. Um, <laughs> but now I'm in this really weird phase. Of if I wanted to take some time off and like travel, I could, if I wanted to start a new career or go back and get a, get a master's, I could, if I want to double down and go back to personal training, I can, but the weight stuff is done. The weight stuff is sell off the rest of what I had. It was good, you know, and it made me realize what I'm capable of. It was a good confidence booster, but I thought, okay, well maybe I should get into like, you know, sales for an equipment company or something. I, I just, after me, after me just having, you know, Pablo Escobar bell cash, it's hard to kind of settle back into what I was doing before. And from a social media standpoint, like it was, I, I got a lot of validation from my peers. Like, like a lot of people, like whenever they would tag me on their story, they would tag like anti-diet dietitian, bio lane, Alan, Nor like, and they would tag me with all of them. And I was like, I am being associated with people that I consider to be much further along than like, this is great. Like here I am poor, barely getting by, but the internet thinks that I'm so smart. And so for me to have to, to take a break from spending so much time, like, I don't want to say in a negative mindset, but like, like what, like you talk about very positive stuff, but at the same time, part of our job is like, you know, is picking apart crap. And so when I see, you know, when, when someone argues with me about something and I like prove them wrong and I like, you know, screenshot it or put them on blast or whatever, like it is beneficial to other people because they see me arguing the, the right side and they won't fall for that mistake. And they're like, dude, you're so awesome. I've learned so much from you, but it also from a, from a sympathetic nervous system or a, or from a, from a brain standpoint, I'm spending a large portion of my day in a negative mindset because someone says something to me that upsets me. I'm going to use them as an example, or I'm going to use this topic or this subject as an example to educate others, to build my platform, to be good for my business. But that means that my business model is me regularly getting triggered and using that fuel to like show people that they're wrong. So a break from that mindset to just be like, happy customers coming over so happy that I have weights for half the price that everyone else is selling weights for telling all their friends and just being hand over fist successful. And like being on my phone less like during COVID was very like, Oh wow. I spent a lot of time like arguing on Instagram. So I still want to do some of that. People still want to, they're like, like we need more women. I'm like, I'm like, yes, I know you need more free information from me. Sign up for my online training, <laughs> me please. Shitting on people like, is what you need. Yeah. 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 So well, let's talk about that for a second, because I've had uh, Danny Matranka and I have talked about this a little bit where it's like, you know, that element of dispelling misinformation. I think that there's people out there that are like very, very anti that as if that's not helpful. You know, people who shit on lane for, you know, calling people out and making whole videos against a certain person, like somebody on TikTok or something. It's like, okay, like we need, it's like, it's cancel culture. It's, you know, you're not focusing on the plus side. It's all very negative. I, I don't know about all that. I actually find that I love what you do. I love reading I don't know if you know how well you maybe you do know JB and Rosario. He's a friend of mine. He's been on the podcast before. He's like a um, just like a, has discussed a lot of like argument, different argument structures, and obviously applied that to to health and nutrition. And, and I find it fascinating. And from a for me, maybe maybe I don't know about necessarily all the followers, but if you're like, I'm curious what you guys think of when you see somebody like a call out culture, right? Like, I mean, it's a weird thing to give it a name, but I find that those are sometimes the most educational things where I'm watching. I mean, I would kill to put two people who disagree out in the forefront. Obviously it's usually one, you know, you know, 47 year old guy in his basement who quote did his research on Google versus somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Unfortunately, it's not like a fair fight most of the time, but that is something I do quite enjoy. And so I enjoy that you do it. And I enjoy that a lot. It's a lot of people do it. Um, and the sympathetic nervous system thing that you like the more high stress fight or flight negative mindset, man. And as my, my following grows a bit, which again, in the context of the overall social sphere is still very small. Like, I don't know how, people do it, man. And you get a, a thicker skin, you get a harder shell. And obviously more importantly, is you teach yourself, you cultivate some form of ammunition and that ammunition is your education, your knowledge. It's not necessarily like, you know, I'm fighting this person, but I'm, I'm able to like, there's no way you would know as much as you do right now. If your goal was not to disprove somebody who is talking, you know, a whole bunch of bullshit. And so I think it's a really good educational tool for you. And it's, it's certainly been for me. I'm actually trying to, I will sit Sometimes, I don't know if people are going to judge me for this. I'll sit in Hyman's comments. I'll sit in Dr. Hyman's comments. And I'll, and yeah, I'm just, just like, behind, I'll just, behind the bushes, I'm, and I'll, I'll be like, well, up, let me comment. Up, 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 up. I'll comment on something. And I just enough to not get blocked by him, but just enough to like practice for me to like practice the communication skills of like actually working somebody through. It's unfortunate. You're usually talking to a wall at some point where you're like, we're, 
we're just not going to get anywhere. We're going we're gonna to agree to disagree, but it is good practice. Like, do you find that like, if somebody were to say, hey, that's not helpful, would you would you agree to some to some extent or would you disagree and say, hey, this is actually like, you should pay attention to more of these conversations? Um, I would say that like, from like our point of view, I would say it's, it's helpful to others, but you, we have to keep ourselves in check. In other words, like if you, if like, I don't, I never like wake up and look forward to someone like, you know, attacking my nutrition beliefs, you know, in my DMS and I look forward to getting triggered and then proving them wrong because that's a, that's annoying and that's a massive waste of time. But I found a way to like almost monetize it, so to speak, which is like, I will use this person as an example, sure. or sure. I will, or I will, I'll keep them anonymous and put a smiley face on them, but I will use this, uh, this conversation. That's why, like, I think you can have up to a hundred posts per, per story highlight. And I have four Q and a story highlight albums. Cause when somebody goes like, what are your thoughts on Korean team? I'm like, I got, I got 50 yep. stories. On yep. How much time? You like have? what? Yeah. I'm like, just, I'm like, read through. And they're like, they're like, what are your thoughts? I'm like, if you haven't read through my entire Q and a album, don't, like, don't ask me a question. Like, and so now I've just kind of, you know, but yeah, if you can, basically if you can find that balance, if you can, if you can go, look, I'm going to do the greater good thing of like, I'm going to use people that are wrong or like not, not for the purposes of putting them down, but for the purposes of, of exposing the truth. Like Blaine Norton is a good example. Cause I look at him and I'm like, Lane, Lane is like my evidence-based hero. But if you said, Blake, do you want Lane's life? I would be like, I would hate to be angry and on my phone writing back to people all day. And I did that for a, you know, a portion of the day. And Alan kind of does the same thing too, but I feel like Alan does it with balance. Yeah. He's extremely Alan, kind. Yeah. yeah. He kind of just, he'll be like, he'll just, he, he kind of has like the, the fuck you smile. He'll be like, no, like you're wrong. And we can keep talking about this. If you like, whereas Lane and I would be like, no, you are wrong. And you're not listening to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, what was the example I was going to use? It's kind of like, uh, it, like you were saying, like, is it is it is it good? Is it bad? Is it cancer culture? A good example would be like when someone says like, you know, Diet Coke is you know cancer, and I go and I go, no, Diet Coke is a tool, and they go, what do you mean? I go, I am not going to sit here and tell you that Diet Coke is better for you than water. But what I am going to tell you is that if you think that regular Coke is better for you than Diet Coke, you may be wrong. And they'd be like, what do you mean? I go, look, if you're of a healthy body fat and you like regular Coke, go ahead and non-cancer not natural regular coke i go but if you're overweight and you drink too many regular cokes and you switch to diet coke and you use that as a tool to help you lose weight and you've improved your overall health diet coke was helpful and they and and usually this is coming from someone who is like has a six-pack trains clients is a fitness professional means well can't believe that I am telling people like the diet Coke is good for you. And they're, they think that they like, they're the other end of the hero. They're like, this guy is out of his mind. Like we all know Dunning Kruger. We all know diet Coke is bad for you. So I try to get them to say, I go, look, I understand where you're coming from. I understand that you, that you aren't fighting for the sake of fighting with me. You care about your clients. You tell your clients not to drink diet Coke because you care about them. I believe that you're a good person. I say, but you are accidentally part of the problem. And they go, what do, you, what do you mean I'm part of the problem? I'm, I'm telling people not to drink Diet Coke. You're telling them to drink Diet Coke. I go, what you are doing is you are creating food fear. You are creating unnecessary restrictions that will lead people to eating disorders, binging, black and white, you know, extremist mentalities. If you have trained your client that she's a bad person, if she has a diet Coke and she used to drink regular Coke, you are just, you're basically unnecessarily depriving her taste buds of something that could be a tool that could make her life better. You know, like I had, I had an ex-girlfriend that like, she'd go to the gym, work out for an hour, run five miles, get home. And she couldn't wait to have her one diet Dr. Pepper of the day. Could you, like, if I took that away from her, she would be like, we, I, so I hate we have you. nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same, it's the same kind of thing. It's when people go like, you know, do you, why can't you just put out your message of like positivity without like putting down other people or calling out other accounts? And I would go, you know, sometimes to win the war, you got to lose a couple totally. battles. That's like, exactly so the point. If I like, if I'm, if I, if putting someone on blast, which is, is, is negative or like, you know, you could have done that and you could have done that in a more positive way. Say, you know, that I messaged that person first and tried to have a conversation with them. Like I would say, you know that like when I did make the post about them, it said in the post, like if they would comment back, like, or if they could prove me wrong, I would apologize and take it down. Like I give them every chance to be like, I will undo whatever wrong that I have done, but you will come to see that I am right. And they were <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's true. I think that there's a utilitarian uh, approach that it's almost interesting. Cause as much as I would probably at face value agree with that, 
I think we can do better than utilitarianism. I think like if we're thinking about utilitarian mindset around, around what we say, we're accepting that there might be some harm for the greater good. We're thinking, okay, what can we do the most good for the most people? Whereas like, you know, with, and I think about this sometimes when I, like I'll follow a lot of anti-diet people that are like really far deep into the anti-diet. Diets don't work. Dieting will make you less healthy. And, you know, listen, for the, for a certain type of person in a certain place, those sorts of messages can be, can be helpful. It's just that I think a lot of people aren't thinking about the potential downsides of people in other contexts or what they're saying in generally other contexts. And yes, I think a utilitarian is a good way to think about it. Like if you have to put one person on blast and, and, and when I say on blast, I mean, you, okay, you put a screenshot up, you cross out their name and you're like, Hey, this is the argument I'm going to pick apart. This is how I would do it. And hopefully you guys learn something from it, man. If that's a small, that's a very small price to pay for the greater good. Uh, I'm all for it for sure. And I think that there's like you know, I, I'm going to pick on Hyman again. I have no problem picking on him all day. He posted the other day of like reasons I don't have um, uh, gluten in my diet and then listed like a whole bunch of like reasons that I'm sure in some way circle back around to buying a supplement or book that he sells. And, you know, there's a person out there and I got a message from somebody and said, you know, I cut out gluten from my diet and it fixed my acne. And so you should really think before you speak. It was like a direct quote. And I'm like, I'm happy for you. I was like, I'm happy that that is the, the, the anecdote that you have. One, she said in the, in the post, she was like, also, I st- stopped eating a whole bunch of crap and I cut out gluten. I was like, first of all, you can't really even be sure that it was the cutting out of gluten. Like there could be other factors at play. You told me you just cut out a whole bunch of crap. Maybe you were eating, maybe it was some, some reaction to something else that you were eating. And second, this is like a small good that's been done here is you fixed your acne. That's awesome. I'm super happy for you. But there's, the, this guy is, what is, I don't even know how many thousands of hundreds of thousands of followers that he has. Like there's hundreds of thousands of people here who just were told who don't have celiac, who don't have non-celiac gluten sensitivity or whatever we've made up at this point, which is to some degree real in some people, very small percentage, um, who are now deathly afraid of having pasta or bread, you know, and, and in, in isolation, like this is in a utilitarian way, this has done way more harm than good. And that in and of itself is important. You can't just say, oh, for this one context, it's social media. You have to add context. There's people following you. You're doing like, unless you have the ultimate echo chamber, which obviously is a problem in and of itself, like you're doing more harm than good, full stop. Yeah, people don't understand like it's 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 kind of like having, you know, really, really good table manners or class or good etiquette, right? Like there's skills that you have to hone. I'm still learning like the art of debate. Like I posted a thing in my story the other day. I was like, hey, it's okay if you disagree with me, but if you hurl ad homonyms at me, you're not my friend. And if you don't know what that means, you have no, and people are like, what? And I'm like, if you don't know what ad hominem means, which means to basically personally insult someone, you are incapable of having a professional conversation with someone. So if someone's like, you're wrong, you're a fucking idiot. I'm like, game over. You called me a fucking idiot. I was willing to let you waste my time while I bring you up to my level of knowledge politely and professionally. And you went straight to I'm smarter than you. You're dumb. Fuck you. Like that is not how adults conduct themselves. Like if you watch like a professional debate, like Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, whatever, like they, they're straw manning, they, they, they're steel manning and like giving each other compliments. And like, I, so if I stand, if like, if I hear correctly, I believe that your position, correct me if I'm wrong to the best of my ability. I believe that what you are saying is to this, like they, they go over the details. Like Lane Norton is very big on compared to what, yeah. like in relation to, or someone says, someone says, well, is this better or not? I go, I say like, compared to what or what is most likely like when someone messaged me and they said well Blake you know vaccines or like is 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 big government whatever you know I, I go hold on like what is more likely and they go what do you mean I go what is more likely every single person who got their PhD in you know biology and disease research in the medical field every one of the thousands of dollars that work for the cdc is corrupt they're in on it they're getting money on the backside from bill gates and his microchip and jeff bezos and they're all corrupt because they all want to harm you the people that they love in their lives outside of their work bubble of their conspiracy bubble they all secretly are want to harm you or maybe they have our best interest in mind and they're fighting something that's growing fast that they couldn't have foreseen. They're going to make some mistakes along the wrong the way. They might make a bad recommendation here or a good one here. There might be a corrupt person within their organization, but to just go the whole thing is shit, right? Is to just go, okay, big medical, big pharma, big, pharma, big yeah. government. Like, big big yeah, microchip. Like, yeah. Basically, wherever there's power, there's corruption, but it corrupts individuals and usually those things come to light later. But to say all things are bad, right? I told someone the other day, I said, some people don't think that we landed on the moon. And I said, you have to ask yourself, what is more likely that we did land on the moon 
or that thousands of people for NASA for decades, for decades. kept the greatest yeah. secret of all time. And like not one of them, not one of their family members like got one of the top secret documents and they've all been paid. Like if, if the government was able to pay like 10,000 people that worked for NASA for 10 years to keep a secret, if they had that kind of budget to pay them to keep that secret, then they had the budget to get to the moon legitimately. Yeah. Like, like I say, I say that so, sometimes to people, if someone's like, um, you know, I've heard somebody else say that it's, you know, carbohydrate insulin model of obesity that, you know, if you have carbs, you're going to gain fat. And I was like, there, listen, there are also people out there who think we didn't go to the moon. And so like, there are going to be people out there who in the face of all the evidence in the world and all of this compared to what, in what context and what's more likely sort of line of questioning are still going to come down to like just straight illogical lines of thinking. So yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Let's, wow, we're, th we're 30 minutes in, haven't done one, not one myth has been busted. Uh, absolutely enjoyed the chat. With Diet Coke myth. The Diet moon, Coke myth, moon. moon we, we don't know what Jeff was doing in space, you know, we're not sure yeah. we can get to, you know. Um, also, might not have happened, who knows. Um, yeah, cool, we'll do a couple myth, myth busting, but I do want to get to, I, I find that, I find that it's, being a personal trainer, actually, I'm going to skip the myth busting. We might get to it at the end, but um, I find that people that are personal trainers, I like uh, I myself, personal trainer for a decade, only have been exclusively online for maybe six months prior to COVID, a year before COVID, maybe. Um, and I was a gym owner somewhere in the in the middle of that point, and I I just find that that's a it's a dying art, and it, maybe it's a dying art for me because I'm on in the online space now, and I'm just in the face of people just trying to become online coaches as like a primary form of helping people, and I'm like, eh, you probably want to help people in person at least. Uh, is a hybrid, at least doing them at the same time. Like, I'd love to hear your take on, I mean, I'm not sure how much online coaching you've done, so you don't need to do it in too much of a comparative sense, but how has that been helpful for you in, in the context of keeping it real? Um, I would say that, you know, as a, as a trainer, like as a people person, I enjoy training people in person, but I have made just as good, if not more of a difference in the lives of many of the people that I've coached online, because most of the people that coached me online, like, you know, I, I write them out a workout. Like I say, you know, if you have any questions about the workout, let me know. But we talk about nutrition for an hour once a, once a week. And my in-person clients, I tell them, like, I'm your personal trainer. I'm training you physically for the next hour. But nutrition is included. I can do your diet, like, for, for free. But it's, I don't, I'm not going to write you a cookie-cutter diet. I'm going to coach you the same way I would an online client. So right. we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about nutrition during the training and I'm not going to charge that like that's an extra service and half of my in-person clients take me up on it. The other half don't. And I go, there are people that pay me to talk to them on the phone for a service that I'm offering to you just because you train with me in person. You're not taking me up on it. Um, and so the cool thing is like, I like training and I like coaching because it's very rewarding. I like making a difference in people's lives. And oftentimes what, what I'm really doing is making people realize their realistic like goals. Like I'll get someone who's 20% body fat and they want to look like the dude on muscle and fitness on steroids at 6% body fat. And I go, why don't we just get you from 20 to 12 and I will give you the tools to get from 12 to eight. And as you try to go from 12 to eight and you realize that there's much, much, much less wiggle room and you can't have the cake at your friend's wedding and you can't go out and have the shit face night. Like you'll realize, you know what? 12 is way better than 20. I realize that eight isn't a pipe dream. Like I could do eight. Maybe I'll do a show once for, for fun to see what I'm capable of, but like you can't sustain 8% body fat. And so a lot of times I'm the dream crusher. Cause I'm like, you can't look like that. And they're like, I want to look like you in your profile photo. I'm like, I got news for you. That was show day. Like I, I'm dead not, inside in that picture. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I'm miserable and I'm hungry. Like yeah. that's not how I look all the time. So it, that, that is cool. It's super rewarding. And that's why I've considered going back to school for psychology because I've basically kind of become a life coach. Like, and I, I hate to even say that I don't like that word. I don't advertise myself as that because I'm like, look, you should, you should not take financial or like spiritual advice from me because probably won't align on that. I go, but through the medium, I guess, of, you know, nutrition and fitness, I always try to start with the end goal and work backwards. Like I had a client recently who bought training with me and he was like, I'll eat all the chicken and broccoli. You say like, I just want to get shredded. I'm like, why? He's like, for my wedding. I was like, you want to get shredded to wear a suit where no one will know that you're shredded. I was like, so during the most stressful time of your life, as you and your wife or, or, ex or fiance are like preparing for this wedding, you're going to be hangry all the time and stress her the hell out and like make this unnecessarily difficult for her. And he's like, well, you know, I was an athlete in college. I'm overweight. And I go, and I go, I go, well, okay, well, why don't we just, why don't we put some mass on you, get your, get your metabolism up. We'll slowly begin to diet, but I'm going to teach you sustainable habits. Like I'm not going to let you lose more than a pound or two a week. And he's like, man, the wedding's in like seven weeks. I was like, and so through unpacking all that over the next couple of weeks, number one, he 
he wouldn't track macros at first. I was like, yeah, I wasn't going to be able to get you to eat only chicken and broccoli anyway. Like you're, you're crazy. Um, and over the couple of weeks after like coaching him, I realized he was just really unhappy. Like he was really unhappy because he hated his boss. He was undervalued at work. They treated him like crap. He was kind of stuck there because there was no financial lateral move. He would, the only way that he could leave there would be to work somewhere else for less. And I literally coached him into quitting training with me because I was like, it sounds like you're unhappy. It sounds like you need to do something that makes you happier. I think that you hired me because you wanted to get shredded because you wanted to have control over something in your life. I do. I do want you to be in better shape, but your wife loves you the way you are now. She doesn't care if you have an eight pack, but you're, you should, you should not let go of that. You got a good pillar right there. And I've helped him kind of take some of his fitness back, but he, he backpedals on his workouts, but I've given him the tools to be fit. But the most important thing is I've given him the tools to realize what mattered. So he quit his job. He was like, Blake, I quit my job. I can't afford to train with you anymore. I was like, I, I saw this coming. Quit his job. Got a new job. He makes less. Hit me up the other day. He was like, dude, I'm the happiest I've ever been. He's like, still can't afford to train with you. I make less. He was like, but I'm really happy. And I was like, cool. If you could get me a referral, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's because I care about the, I mean, you know, I've had clients that are like, well, Blake, I'm going to go keto until like I get the weight off and then I'll switch to like what you want me to do. I'm like, what? So why don't we just do what I want you to do now? Because when you not when the keto stops, then the water weight and then the yo-yo. And Why the, don't the do anger, that? The anger, yeah. The, yeah, the anger kicks in there. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. that that I think is a common thread for online. I don't know. Maybe it's not a common thread. Maybe it's just something that I feel very strongly as well. Is like my probably my number one, at least primary goal or initial goal is to make sure that what you say you want also matches up with either what you're willing to work for or what you're practically capable of doing at this point in your life or what you actually want, you know, and that, that, that last part's a little bit vague, but um, I've, I mean, had people come to me for fat loss and then had, you know, obviously now understanding what the trade-offs are like for that, given one, the ambitious nature of their goal, if they want to be 8%, it's a different track than if you're looking to go from 30 to 15 or something like that. Um, but also like, what are the practical trade-offs, the sacrifices in your life you have to make? And it's like, once you have a clear picture of what that looks like, I'm a firm believer. And if you're listening to the podcast, you heard me rant on this, I'm sure a bunch, but I'm a firm believer that like, you'll be happier understanding that you didn't want something that you thought you wanted and you could, you'll sleep easier at night, recognizing that that thing you said you wanted actually costs something you're not willing to pay. Like you'll be able to move on mentally from it. It's the, like, it's a really sad life to continue telling yourself and feeling viscerally that you want something when in reality, if faced with the sacrifices that it would take, you either cannot, would not, you know, practically cannot because of the like, your kids and job and, and logistics. Like if it's unrealistic, like you'll move on. There's a reason that you don't stay up late at night thinking about buying, uh, you know, an Aventador or like a Lamborghini or like, you don't think maybe you do, but like there's mo I don't lose sleep over that because it's not something that I, I, I want. Like I lose sleep over like whether I'm going to get like a, a Tacoma or a Jeep. Yeah, <laughs> totally. A hundred percent. And so it's like, if you I could need to be able to go camping so far away from yeah, my dog, yeah, yeah. people, which means I need a four wheel drive car. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. I need to go so far off the road. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I just, well, I just think that that's also, and unfortunately and it's happened to me as well too, where like uh, somebody will come to me for fat loss. We'll talk about what that, what that's like. I'll get a clear picture of their life. They'll get a clear picture of what dieting with their current life would look like. Uh, what the trade-offs are, how exponentially worse they are with every pound they lose. If someone's like, hey, I, wanna, I really want to come to you to lose the last... If somebody comes to me, to, I'm full disclosure, you're listening to this, if you're coming to me to lose the last five pounds for then you will be super shredded, nine out of 10 times, we're going to talk you into like six months of recomp and maintenance and good amount of food and, and feeling satiated and a good relationship with food and hard training and you'll be on your way. And like, you won't, you won't, you probably won't lose that last five pounds because the, the, the trying to lose the last five pounds, quote unquote, it's like has exponentially poor returns on every, you have to do more for less and it only gets worse the leaner you get. And not just the trade-offs get worse, the lifestyle trade-offs get worse. You're super fucking hungry and starving and you have a really awesome profile picture. And I think you can attest and I've taken some, done some photo shoots as well. It's like, those are cool for about five seconds. Now I'm not against anybody doing that once. I have a client currently, he's like, I just want to get super lean one time take some cool pictures. I know it's not my best life, but it's that sort of like getting your head screwed on, right? About what you yeah. really want and what you're really willing that's to work right for. Now. Yeah, that's, totally. Yeah, that's him, that's him going, I know it's not sustainable. I just want to see if I'm capable of it. Correct. That's yeah. why some people do shows. They love it and they go on to be competitors. Competitors. Other people do shows and they go, I will have that throwback Thursday photo forever and nobody can ever say that I didn't, I wasn't able to get shredded because I have done it once and it did suck, but I am proud of myself. Do you, like, do you as somebody who has been at that level of leanness, do you feel like psychologically it, it, it 
I don't want to, I want to find a non hyperbolic way of saying this, but like, um, I will look back at an old picture and be like, wow, I was shredded. And hopefully I'm not feeling like, okay, that's my, that's my barometer. Now that's my measuring stick. I, I would hate for that to be, I don't know if that's something that's happened to you where you look back at old pictures like, wow, I'm fat right now. And you're like 10% body fat. And you're like, you just happen to not be six. Like you are in this picture. Um, is that something that you've, well, you've come across for yourself? Well, now that I'm newly single, I'm like, yeah, I should probably not put like my shredded seven years ago photos as my like profile picture. <laughs> like, like, you don't have um, a beard in this picture. You're like, I was 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess one thing that's kind of tough is that, um, I'll say like relationship body is a real thing because a lot of people don't know, don't know this, but like I got into fitness because I wanted to get chicks like when on the bachelor, what I mean, well, that was, that was, I more saw that more as a failed like career chance. I thought I was, I thought I was going to get like 150,000 followers, get, get paid $500 an ad to sell you teeth whitener, which wouldn't be the same as me selling you bullshit supplements. And I would be able to use my platform to grow my business ethically while also getting paid to promote the things of my choosing. Wow, and so an oxymoron, I, total impossibility. Yeah, so I, yeah, instead I just got a bad edit and I can just say that I've done something cool, I guess. But, um, but yeah, so I got into, like when I was in high school, I didn't like just wake up one day and was like, lifting weights sounds really cool. I just got to high school and I was like, girls like guys with muscles. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm, I've always been a creative type. I'm a drummer. I would much rather spend like an hour playing drums than lifting weights. But you know, you lift weights long enough and you start to really appreciate the structure it gives your life. And weight lift, lifting weights is great for building confidence. It's great for getting through a breakup. So I've worked out my entire life and I'm lucky that the vanity of wanting to be buff helped transition me into the maturity of like, this is part of a lifestyle that I would, I would never give up. And so throughout my years, like that, that's why I like, I, I was, I knew how to work out hard. I was a personal trainer. And then I was like the missing, the missing key is nutrition. So I spent the first half of my life basically being obsessed with like the body and the diet. And now I'm more obsessed with the mind. All I do is watch, you know, PhD YouTube videos. Like I've, I, because of my relationship stuff in the past, like I have like impeccable therapeutic clinical level communication skills. I can be like, you're stonewalling, you're flooded, you're this, you don't mean that. That's not true. That's a, that's, that's, that's an I statement. That's a you <laughs> statement. You're, you're projecting, you're like, you're defensive. You're like, I, I have all these great communication tools now, but uh, yeah, the relationship body thing is kind of a real thing because you know, when you're, when you're single or winter sport, even just as a trainer, you want to, you want to put your best foot forward and go, Hey, like you should, you should train with me because I'm a good trainer and not because I look fit, but I am a walking representation of what I do. So for me to have been in a serious relationship for, you know, three years, like she didn't care if I was 2% body fat thicker. Like she didn't care if my arms were a quarter of an inch or a quarter of an inch smaller. And like, you can't, you can't beat yourself up over like, I don't look like my profile photo, you know, but at the same time, I was like, I was like, I don't want to, I was like, I don't want to re-energize like my, myself to go to the gym for the wrong reasons. Like, like I, I spent so much time away from the gym selling weights. Cause I was carrying them seven yeah, days. Like, that's what I was thinking like, too. Exhausted. Cause like, I, like seven days a week, I, like I would get, I would get 10, you know, five or 10,000 pounds of bumper plates delivered to my house and me by myself would carry 5,000 pounds of bumper plates like into my living room. And so that was my workout for the day. And it, it, it kept me lean, but I was losing mass because I wasn't doing structured weight workouts. People would be like, people would be like, you want to go to the gym and lift weights with me? I'm like, fuck weights. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to I don't look at another weight. Yeah. So yeah. once I was on the other side of that, where I, you know, I'd made some money. Now the weight thing is settling down. You know, I was like, I'd, I'd look in the mirror and just kind of go like, all right, well, I still look, you know, better than most, but I don't look my, I don't need to look my best, but I don't look, I don't look like what I should relative to my, what I, what's important to me. So it's, it's a, it's a balancing act. And that's kind of the, the same advice that I gave to my that client. I was like, you absolutely need to be in better shape than you are now, but you do not need to be contest, starve yourself, beat yourself up shape because I got news for you that that will not solve your problems. And so he's kind of taken that to heart. And I'm like, dude, why don't you set it? Like you went from working out zero days a week to wanting to work out five and starve yourself. I would be very proud of you if you work out twice a week consistently. So yeah, agreed. I think there's a jump to the extremes, which is, which is normal human psychology to it's some immediate gratification. There's also probably some research out there that there actually definitely is some research out there that shows that some people will do better with large changes. Now I think there's a diminishing return and a point of that not being true anymore. Going from zero to seven days a week might not be great. Um, but I do think that there's like 
an element of capitalizing on motivation, but there's also motivation for more positive reasons and more negative reasons. And uh, while I would like to believe that like health pursuits are an end that's justifiable by any means, I think there are certainly better and worse ways and um, more likely to produce positive outcomes and less likely to produce positive outcomes, like in terms of where that motivation is coming from. I think that I want to lose weight because I absolutely hate myself and I'll only love myself when I'm three dress sizes smaller is a uh, short will be a short lived fuse there. Uh, and one that, probably won't actually come to fruition. You won't actually feel better at that point uh, just because it's not coming necessarily from a sustainable place. And so, yeah, I think we've both seen that from a, a lot of clients. I think that that's one of part of our job is to understand like, okay, I want to get shredded for my I, I wedding. Think a, I think a really good point is that you want to, oh, hold on. Go ahead. Sorry, I was losing you for a second. I think we're breaking. Can you hear me? Okay, are we good? Yep, we're good. Do it. Right. Not like you're in a vortex for a second. Um, I was gonna say, this, but this makes a good point with the motivation thing, right? Because like, in the past, like if I had someone come in the gym and they were like, you know, I want, I want your best trainer. I'm going to work out five days a week. I'm doing every day. I'm like, how many days a week have you worked out for like the last 20 years? And they're like zero. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be real sustainable. But at the same time, you're like, if you just knock down all their motivation, right? You feel like you're taking the sale off from them. So what I, what I kind of do is you want to use the motivation as like the hook, right? Because I can't tell you how many times I've had someone come in the gym, like on Friday and be like, I want to start training. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's set you up for Monday. Monday, they know shit because they were only vulnerable Friday. And then they immediately walked it back over the weekend. They're like, I'm not one of those gym people. I can't do this. That's crazy. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, I, you know, I'm embarrassed, right? You hook them in. You go, give me your money. <laughs> you go, give me, okay, now you're committed. You can't back out of it. You're going to, you're going to waste, you know, you, you hook them while they're motivated. And then you go, okay, now that you, now that you're, you have to do this, right? Same thing with like motivating yourself. Like if you said you were going to, you know, quit cigarettes and you said it to yourself, might not happen. But if you, if you post on Facebook to your 2000 friends, like I'm quitting cigarettes today, it's going to be real hard to explain when they oh, yeah. catch you. Yeah. So you want to, you want to grab that initial like motivation and then you want to go, we're going to, we're going to use that. And as that motivation like fizzles, cause it does fast, we're going to build confidence with slow, sustainable, like building habits. So just like if I, like if I tell somebody, I'm like, look, your goal is just to go to the gym once this week. And if you go twice, you've doubled your goal. But if I tell someone, yeah, you said you said you could make it to the gym four days this week, and you only came three. In their mind, they've already failed. So, and that is three times more than they've ever gone to the gym in the last. So, you always want to to build on that. Yeah, there's a there's like a you could say you'd be lowering the bar, and I'd like to I I prefer using a phrase like widening the goalpost in this case, where it's like or like widening the rim, like the basketball rim. Like the point is to get the positive feeling of getting more wins. I think a lot of clients will come to me and they're like, all right, how many days, how many days do you want to train? They're like, I want to train five. And I'm like, can you do five days of training consistently without infringing upon your life? They're like, oh, most weeks. Uh, for the record, let the record show. I would rather you train four days consistently, week in, week out on a program with, you know, progressive overload that has some continuity, continuity to it. than you train four and a half times a week. And you might say, well, it's a half time better. It's okay, but what about the other half that you're not training? You're going to feel bad about that. And that negative feeling of, oh, I should have trained five this week. I didn't train. And personally, yeah. physiologically, the lack of continuity there would bug me physiologically and from an OCD perspective. But I would rather you, same with the calorie amount. I'd rather you, you know, shoot, let's say you want to get between 17 and 1900 calories. I'd rather you gain, make a wider range and hit it more consistently and have more positive, more wins, more feeling of like checking off that box emotionally that I, you did what you had to do. Then you shoot for 16 and end up missing it half the time. It's like, we, we want to get you to have, I think that being honest with the clients about that, not necessarily fooling them, being like, hey, like this is gonna be important for us to like, if you wanna push yourself harder, fine, but prove to you, prove to me, and let's widen up this goalpost so we can get a little bit more wins for sure. Yeah, let me let me give you one other thing. So let's say let's say somebody is being realistic with, their, with themselves and they're like, I can work out four days a week. I could do five, I would look the best if I did five, but five is gonna be like, really exhausting. It's going to make me tired. Four probably would be best, but that's just my most available time. Three would be three. If I worked out like, you know, three days a week, I'd really want to work out four. you know, why, you know, why three might be better than four because it's like fitness foreplay. Like if you, if you are thirsty, like you are so looking forward to that workout, you're going to crush that workout. Cause if you want to do four and your coach says you only get three, you're going to annihilate those three. And that's a good thing. But if you are, if you're that competitor that like that, like your coach said you needed to train six days a week, but you would have just felt so much better on five, right? Like now that one little thing like that made you more hardcore, like took all the fun out of it and that's not sustainable and it kills it for you. So it's, it's just, you, you want to 
keep that drive built in. And that's how we build up. I think, I think a good example of like starting slow and building up is <clears throat> literally like the high jump, right? <clears throat> let's say that, let's say, let's say you think it'd be really cool to jump over a bar six feet tall. And I say, okay, well, we're going to start at two. And you go, dude, I can, I've, I've never done this before. And I can already jump over four. Why are you starting me at two? And I go, cause you can jump over four with shit form that will never get you to five. And you're going to get, you're going to get deflated. So we're going to like crush it at two feet next week. We're going to do two feet to it. And they're like, man, at that rate, I won't be doing, I won't be jumping over the six foot bar until two years from now. And I'll go, yeah, how long do you think it took the guy that can jump over the six foot bar? You know, so because I've literally had clients that were like, like I need to lose fifty pounds. And I'm like, all right, cool, twenty five weeks. Yeah, like, cool. See you in a year. Twenty five. Yeah. yeah, I'm like twenty five weeks at the earliest. That would be two pounds a yep, week. I, yep. I prefer one to one and a half. And they go, what? They're like, I have a cruise in seven weeks. I was like, not losing fifty pounds unless you're weeks. a corpse. Yeah, and they're like, what? I'm like, but I saw. I'm like, I know you saw some dudes page on Instagram where it's before where and, I, and those people I, I want to murder because they set unrealistic expectations for people. And that person goes, what? And I go, okay, now here I'll play devil's advocate. I could help you lose 50 pounds in seven weeks, but I, I'm not going to say I make no guarantees. I'm going to say, I guarantee that you will gain it all back. If, if not, then some, because the only thing worse than the, the only thing worse than, uh, uh, what is it? Than being overweight is repeatedly failing at diet. Because yo-yo dieting is worse for you long run than if you never diet at all. So that's why I tell people I'm I will I'm only interested in helping people create sustainable habits, except for competitors, because a competitor is working with a deadline, and we know that what we're trying to achieve, accomplish on stage is not what we're trying to accomplish indefinitely. Yeah, agreed. All right, we're going to end it there. We're coming up close on the end here. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? I appreciate you coming on, Blake. Oh, tell tell everybody if they if they have any myths they want me to bust, they can just DM them. <laughs> it's good that i didn't i it's good that i didn't record the intro i was thinking about recording the intro and then i was like you know i'm not really sure where this is going to go yet let me let me let me wait i'll record it afterwards so i have a more accurate account and then as you were you were on you were just talking there i was like i wonder what i'm gonna say in the intro and it's like a whole bunch of rants about stuff and things by blake ellerby i was like it's gonna be a wonderful (laughs) wonderful uh, episode I'm, i'm 36 so you literally could just say you know advice from someone who's been in the fitness industry in Los Angeles for over a decade. Yeah, like that's it. Yeah. Advice, advice to young fitness professionals or people that don't know where to find good information. Yeah, whatever. For sure. I'm uh, sure. It will. And, and if, if it's received well, we could always do this again and we could, we could keep to a strict, like I'm super ADHD. So if you give me a bullet point and you're like, Blake, this is on this paper. Don't talk about it. I'll be like, okay. <laughs> that's why I sent you some notes beforehand. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. We'll do it. It's all good. I don't mind. I like it. I like it non-structured anyway. So it's all good. Drop a line, drop a tweet, drop a, where, where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, every, yeah, Instagram, Lake Los Angeles. If anybody's interested in um, online coaching or training, click the link in my Instagram. Um, that same, um, that same handle at Lake Los Angeles is also my drumming YouTube, but I'm just Blake LRB fitness on YouTube, but they'll, they can find me through you. They'll cool. figure it out. Sounds good. I'll tag yeah. you in everything, Let's man. Wait. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.